You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. We have a, a song by Nathan Hunt. It's uh, entitled Good Intentions. made a king I'm sure that I would reign supreme for good intentions often I make but steps of change I seldom take you see I dream great dreams but in the end I do far less than I intend I can talk the right talk but my feet they don't walk like they should and good intentions alone are not enough you gotta work and pray and you can't give up to serve the lord with all your heart you gotta pull your weight you gotta do your part because when the road gets long and the going gets tough good intentions aren't enough oh good intentions aren't enough the things i want to do I do not the things I should not do. I do a lot. Who can give me the victory from this body of death? Deliver me. Well, I thank my God. It's through Jesus Christ. He gives me victory. He gives new life. It took more than intentions for his love to ransom all men. Now don't you get me wrong, let me hasten to mention there's a lot of good and good intentions. Intentions often guide the way to peace and joy when we obey. But if we never do the good things we intend, we won't be better off, but worse in the end. So then plan what to do and then do what you plan to for the Lord good intentions alone are not enough you gotta work and pray and you can't give up to serve the lord with all your heart you gotta pull your weight you gotta do your part because when the road gets long and the going gets tough good intentions aren't enough oh good intentions aren't enough Yeah, when the road gets long and the going gets tough, good intentions are not enough. Amen. All right. Uh, Young folks can be dismissed to junior church if they'd like to go back. Um... Amen. All right. Well, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter number 24 today, the gospel of Matthew in the 24th chapter. We're going to read here what the Lord Jesus said uh, in Matthew 24. And the title of my message today is going to just simply be, is this the end? Is this the end? And that's been a question on a lot of people's minds as 
we see. You know, you read the headlines, it's not hard to see that our world is in a downward slide and really has been for a couple of years, to say the least. Political, political tensions, violence, natural disasters, outbreaks are escalating. This week marks the outbreak of military conflict of a kind and scale of which is reminiscent of World War II. We are uh, watching a, a devastating invasion unfold in real time. Visceral and disturbing images stream out of Ukraine at every moment, and as Russian forces bombard and assault Ukraine city, city centers. It can be difficult to process events like this, but what I hope to do today is for those that have, if, if, if the thoughts crossed your mind at all, wait a second, I come to church, I don't want to hear what's uh, going on the ticker on the news right now, but I believe it's very important. Jesus, I believe, gave us this chapter so that we could look at the events that we're facing through a biblical lens. Uh, through a biblical lens, as God's people, the perspective uh, that we have is very, very important. And God's Word can give you the right perspective, no matter what it is that you're facing in this life. Now, a lot of people wonder, particularly, are the events of this week, is that, is, is that somehow related to Bible prophecy? And I would certainly related to Bible prophecy, at the very least. Um, and... Again, throughout these couple years, as a, as a Christian and as a pastor, I've had more people come to me since, uh, say, March of 2020 that have asked me, man, is this the end of the world? Is the end of the world coming soon? And, and things of that nature. I've been asked that more than I ever have uh, before. And the point is, is that there's a lot of people and the events that we've seen happen over the last couple of years particularly really have people asking a lot of questions. But then the good news is the Bible has answers. The Bible has answers. Amen? And, uh, and they have answers to the questions that we're facing at this very moment. I can say with certainty today that the return of the Lord and the rapture, the tribulation and so forth, I can say that they are closer now than they've been at any point in history. I can say that for a fact. The Lord is indeed coming again. Jesus gave us Matthew 24, I believe, for a couple different reasons. I want to give you those reasons today, and they're very practical, really. The second one more so perhaps than the first, but the first one is so that we could comprehend prophecy, so that we could get some kind of grasp uh, about what Jesus says about the events that are taking place and the events that are going to unfold. The Bible is a book of prophecy. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. Um, one of the things of the other sacred books, and I say quote-unquote sacred books, uh, of the world religions is they dare not prophesize. They just have a bunch of recordings of whatever took place while they were taking place. But God's Word, from the very beginning, begins to prophesy. Uh, I mean, you don't get out of the book, of, you don't get it three chapters into the book of Genesis before there's a prophecy of Jesus coming. And, and just from that point forward, the Bible continues to be a book of prophecy. Now, uh, in Matthew 24, we find what's called the Olivet Discourse. And the disciples are kind of asking a similar question. Look in verse 3. 
A pertinent question to us today, verse 3 of Matthew 24, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? These things, going back to verses 1 and 2, where Jesus said that the temple was going to be destroyed. When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So from the very beginning, they had a question. Now, I can say on the authority of God's word that the next major event on God's time calendar and prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, the calling away of the church. And we find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says that the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's one of the many references to the rapture. Now, a couple things I want to say real quick when we talk about prophecy and when we talk about the coming of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 24, skip down with me if you would to verse number 36. This is important. Because Jesus said this, and I just want to say this at the very beginning. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So if anybody ever comes and tells you, this is the day that Jesus is coming. If anybody comes trying to give you a date for the coming of the Lord, you can just mark them off right now. Amen. Because Jesus said, no man knows. But he did say that we, we could be able to discern the signs of the times, he said in Matthew 16, that we can discern and know that the Lord is coming soon. The Bible teaches the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imminent. Now, imminent means at any moment. It's not the immediate return of the Lord that we believe in, but we believe in the imminent return of the Lord. He could return at any moment. Uh, and so there's some very practical applications to that. But, but I want to consider some of the things that Jesus deals with. Um, even though we do not know the day that Jesus comes, prophetic events cast shadows, giving us a foreshadowing of what is to come in anticipation of the end of the world, as we call it, which is really the idea of the end of the age. The rapture will not mark. The, the, the thing that I say could happen any moment, any moment, the return of the Lord to take those who have put their faith and trust in Him, to resurrect all those who have died, their bodies have been lying, uh, in the ground, their souls are with Him, but their bodies are in the ground. That could take place at any moment. But then, after that point, the Bible specifically says in the book of Daniel, gives us the numbers, Jesus then verifies in Matthew 24 the prophecies of Daniel, which tell us that there's a seven-year period uh, that remains a time of tribulation. Jeremiah called it a time of Jacob's trouble or a time of Israel's trouble because it's a time to try to get Israel to turn back to God. But there's a seven-year period after the Lord returns in the rapture, 
But really the second coming of the Lord is when the fulfillment, I, I mentioned this several times around Christmas. Uh, you know, we talked about the verse where the Bible says, unto, you a child is, unto us a child is born, that's Christmas Day. Unto us a son is given, that's 33 years later when Jesus is on the cross. The son was given. And then that verse goes on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's yet to happen. But that will happen at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. And just, just as literally as a child was born, just as literally as the son was given, uh, also the government shall be upon his shoulders. In other words, he shall also reign on this earth for a thousand years before we go into the eternal state. Uh, now that's a whole lot trying to say in just a moment. It's a mouthful. But I'm just simply trying to say that we can see the, ante the anticipation of the end uh, being near. Now Jesus mentioned several of these uh, phenomena, if you will, that are increasing. Now, I want to be very clear. The things I'm going to read to you today concern, when I'm talking about is this the end, I was thinking about uh, the, the war that we uh, mentioned earlier, uh, Vladimir Putin and the Russia invading Ukraine, um, and, and that being such a, a big deal on the world stage, and we can understand that. But I begin to think about Jesus saying, one of the things he said is there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And that's what I want to get to in just a moment. But I not only want to address that, I want to address some of the other things that he said would be increasing as it approached his return. It's worth mentioning, and I want to say it right now, these things do not mean, bam, that's it. That means Jesus must be coming like right now. These, these things don't mean that. He's saying that these are the things that are going to increase as it gets closer. The two things that I, I taught during uh, the Sunday school hour, which I invite you, if you don't come, to come. We have a great time. We just study the Bible, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, from 945 uh, till about uh, 1045 uh, on uh, Sunday mornings before this. But, but we were talking about the two uh, really primary passages uh, in Matthew 24 that are more specifically time-stamped and related, and one is the restoration of the nation of Israel, which has happened, uh, you know, in our lifetime. And then the second thing was the temple being rebuilt, which it has not been rebuilt. There's a, there's a mosque sitting on the Dome of the... There's the Dome of the Rock sitting where the temple needs to be re rebuilt right now. Something's going to have to, have to happen about that. Uh, and by the way, that's kind of one of the places where Russia comes in at, interestingly enough, arguably comes in at. But the, the, the point just simply being that, uh, that there's going to be a temple be, be rebuilt because there's going to have to be a temple for the Antichrist to stand in, for there to be the abomination of desolation that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 24, verse 15. I hope I can tell you enough today that you can learn a little something because, again, the point that Jesus is trying to give us is that we can have some comprehension of prophecy, at least a little bit about what it means and what it don't mean. I can't tell you everything there is to tell about. Number one, I don't know everything there is to tell about. I'll just let you know on that little secret. Uh, number two, we certainly don't have the time to even talk about the things that I do know about it this morning. But I hope you'll go study these things on your own. If you're saved, you've got a Bible, hopefully. If you don't, I'll get you one. If you've got a smartphone, you can download one, amen? And, uh, and if you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit of God, and man, you can study the Word of God, and, and, and you can learn a lot of these things if you'll just get in there and dig. But uh, 
There are some of these, the, the signs of the, the Antichrist that are going to come. But now the things I want that Jesus mentions first of all are just things that he said would be on the increase as it gets closer to the time. Matthew 24, notice what he says first of all, verses 4 and 5. He says, for many, verse 4, I'm sorry, he says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. One of the things that Jesus said would be on the rise as he approached was deception. The sign of deception. Now, understand this. Deception has always, deception's been around since the Garden of Eden. And there have been false prophets and false teachers around since the, since the church started. But when we think about the sign of deception, I want to say that this deception may be one of the greatest threats to the church today. We've got to be on guard for deception. There's always newfangled doctrines there's always these new ideas that sound really good and you might have somebody that looks really good that's in these doctrines but folks we've got to be on guard for deception the bible says that we must earnestly contend for the faith in other words every one of these have a real practical response jesus said beware the closer it gets to my return, the de deception's going to be on the rise. All right? So therefore, as God's people, it behooves us to be in the Word of God. It, it, it behooves us to share the Word of God and the truths of the Word of God. We are challenged in the book of Jude to contend for the faith, to fight for the faith. No, we don't have to be contentious, but we contend for the faith. We stand for the Word of God, the truths of the Word of God. Why? Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And God's Word will still make you free. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of deception out there. Not everything that calls itself Christian is Christian. Not everything that calls itself a church is the church of God. Not everybody that holds a Bible and a smile and a suit and whatever else uh, is a man of God. You say, well, that sounds judgmental. You can call it what you want to, but Jesus said we've got to be careful. Jesus said that we need to have some discernment. We need to have some judgment about us when it comes to what we're bringing into our minds concerning the Word of God. The messages of the songs that we hear. You know, that's been one of the amazing things. There's been a, uh, in, in, in recent days, there's been a, been a real awareness of uh, some songs that are coming across the Christian landscape today that they're starting to realize have a whole lot more to do about me than they do Jesus. And there's a, uh, there, there seems to almost be an agenda behind some of the ideas behind some of these where, where it's not about glorifying God and glorifying truth. It's, it's a scary thing, but... But regardless, the deception. See, in, before the reign of King Josiah in the Word of God, I mentioned this in Sunday school, but they, the Jews had a temple during this time. So they had, that, that was the place where they would come to worship God Almighty, Jehovah, the one true God. But before the days of Josiah the king, they actually set up images. In other words, idols in there of other gods. So they would come and worship God, but they would also worship at the altar of these other gods. They were deceived. And I'm telling you, our society today is characterized by similar things. 
our society as a whole is characterized by a culture of toleration. And isn't tolerance an interesting thing in our day? I've said it before, but it just blows my mind every time. Uh, tolerance, folks, isn't always what it sounds like, is it? Because in, in the true sense of tolerance, you will not find a more tolerant group of people than Christians, I believe. But it, it's interesting, too, how tolerance seems to be such a goal of so many today. You know, you think about that. Tolerance. We need to be tolerant toward one another. Jesus said we ought to love one another. How about that? I mean, hey, can you imagine looking over at your husband or your wife and say, Honey, I tolerate you. It may be true. But we're, it's, it's about loving one another, not tolerating each other. But the point is, there's a lot of tolerance, but there's not a lot of tolerance for truth. Is there? There's not a lot of tolerance for truth. As a matter of fact, I, I remember, I, it just stuck with me. I don't know how many times I've said it. Just bear with me. But it's hard for me not to think about it when I, when I hear about it. And I believe it was coming from the, uh, the NEA, you know, the, the, the teachers union or, or the Scholastic uh, Society. I can't remember who it was. But I remember they, w w with great boldness and, and, and fervor, they, they made the bold statement that they will not tolerate intolerance. We're not going to put up with it. <laughs> By golly, as a matter of fact, if you're intolerant, we're going to put you in jail. That's what's happening in Canada right now. The Christians are suffering because they're not being tolerant enough. You see the, 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 the ridiculousness of it. Uh, but but, but, but the great, there, there's a great acceptance and understanding for all sorts of immoral behavior. Yet the world considers it unacceptable to speak absolute truth. But Jesus says, as the day approaches for, is this the end? Listen, this is not the end necessarily. This may be. This may be the day that Jesus comes, but that's not the end. There's more to come, all right? This may be the day that the Lord comes. But regardless of that, we can see that one of the signs is there'll be an increase of deception. So it's important that we stand for the truth of God's Word. We speak the truth in love. You know, I've said this in recent days, and I, therefore I won't belabor it, but it's just it, some, somebody, true love does, isn't going to love something that's destroying somebody else. True love isn't going to love sin. It'll love the sinner, because that's what we all are, but sin is a destructive, dividing, conquering force that we need to stand for the truth in order to help people be set free. But in response to our society... Some churches and pastors have departed from sound doctrine. And this isn't just another trend. It's a spirit of deception taking hold of our culture. It blew my mind. It blows my mind. The churches and the, I mean, I'm talking about preachers that I've listened to and I know what they believe and preach. And just, I, I think a lot of them, or at least I've thought a lot of them, but they've been embracing some of these uh, Marxist, communist, socialist ideals. They've been embracing the BLM movement, things of this nature. And it's just a scary thing to think about uh, departing from the truth in order to, to, in order to bring about racism. The Bible isn't racist. The Bible teaches that there's one race. Amen? And so to, to embrace racism uh, is ridiculous to me. Uh, to be, call yourself a man of God or a Christian. But the Bible says that know that the Spirit speaketh expressly. 1 Timothy 4.1 
that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. And that talks about the word of God, the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Our response should be to stand on the truth. Jesus said, beware. Deception is on the rise. But not only will deception be on the rise, disputes will be on the rise. And this is where the Lord led me to preach this message, I believe. Verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, Jesus said, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. And can I add right there? Notice it says nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The nation against nation there has a whole lot more to do with what's called often races. Division between people groups. Now again, we're speaking, there's one race, but these divisions uh, that are brought about uh, through uh, racism, which a lot of it is based on the idea of, uh, of evolution. Of, of macroevolution and so forth. But, uh, but, re, but regardless of all that, the fact is, is that these disputes are going to come nation against nation, race wars, kingdom against kingdom, uh, that's country against country, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So as dissension escalates, we can view it as a sign of the times as we see more and more war. Now, there's always been deception. There's always been wars. There's always been rumors. But Jesus said there will be an escalation in these things. The book of Revelation tells us that conflict, ceaseless, unending, terrible war, will fill the tribulation period. And it will escalate until the entire world is involved. This was some interesting things I want to share with you. It's been reported that 50% of research scientists are involved in arms development. So half of the research scientists in the world are trying to develop weapons, arms development. There is at least one military weapon and 4,000 pounds of explosives for every man, woman, and child on the earth. I mean, it's just amazing as you see the wars increase, uh, the rumors of wars increase. 2,500 years ago, the Lord revealed to Ezekiel in chapters 38 and 39 of of the book of Ezekiel the prophecy that Russia, now this is where it's interesting that comes into today, that Russia, uh, anciently called Gog of Magog, uh, would be a major threat in the end. Ezekiel even reveals that, that the chief city of Gog of Magog, which is the modern land of Russia, that the chief city was that of Meshach. And Meshach is what is the ancient name for the city of Moscow. God prophesied every bit of this 2,500 years ago. Now, what did Russia look like 2,500 years ago? It did not look like a country that was going to be a major player in the world. But indeed, God knew that it would be, so he warned about this. The particular prophecy that Ezekiel gives warns that Russia and a number of Arab nations would invade the nation of Israel. Now, 
Uh, when I say that Russia was mentioned, it's a key player. I'm not saying that, that God said that Russia, God knew that Russia was going to invade Ukraine. He, he knew that. But that in and of itself is not a fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel, all right? But what it shows is that God said that Russia was going to be a major player when it came to the end times. And indeed, we see that they are a major player. Now, there's a couple things practically. When we think about wars, wars remind us of a few things we, that we can learn about war. There's some practical things, but there's also some uh, scriptural things. When we think about this, did you know that nations rise and fall at God's command? Now, some of these things are hard to comprehend and understand, but uh, nations rise and fall at God's command. As God revealed to the prophet Daniel, empires would rise and fall, each failing to establish itself permanently. The kings and kingdoms of this world are like the changing of seasons. They rise and they eventually fall according to God's will. Nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing can thwart God's plan. Uh, the Bible says this in Psalm 33 verse 10. I didn't get these verses to Ryan. Uh, if, if, you, if you're looking for them on the screen, you may want to write them down. Psalm 33, verse 10 and 11. The Bible says, listen to this, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsels of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. I don't understand this, but even the evil designs of dictators like Vladimir Putin are in some mysterious way turned and used by God to accomplish His greater purposes in the world. In war, we have a preview of what the end of the age will look like. The Antichrist actions will in some ways resemble the destructive, lawless actions of Vladimir Putin. The end of the age will come, or in some ways will resemble the terrible days of war and carnage. Alright, so we learn some things from the signs of the, 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 the devastation, the signs of the disputes, the wars, and the rumors of wars. But there's not only signs of de devastation, and there's not only signs of, um, not devastation, but signs of uh, disputes and signs of deception, but there's also signs of devastation. Notice what the Bible says there in verse, verse 7 once again. He says, For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. Now, in 2020, we understand that COVID-19, and that's something we're about sick and tired of hearing about, but, but, it, but it raised global awareness of our vulnerability to novel diseases. But that's not the only outbreak that's taken place or that has taken place in the world today. By design or not is not the point. But we, we're also witnessing an increase in the frequency and intensity of earthquakes. He says there's going to be pestilences. He says there's going to be uh, earthquakes. Now, you say, well, what's the deal with earthquakes? This is interesting. Between 1900 and 1969... Um, there were roughly six major quakes every 10 years. 
Between 1900 and 1969, there were about six major earthquakes every 10 years. Recent data indicates that major earthquakes now occur more than once a month and that great earthquakes shake the globe every year. All of these devastating trends are signs that point to the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's signs of devastation, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. There's, the, there's also the sign, look at verse 9, of deliverance into tribulation. Verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations, my name's sake. You know, almost everywhere you look in the world today, Christianity is under attack. It's, uh, and, and that's not just being sensitive. Number one, if you look in the world, I'll give you these numbers in a minute. We, what we've experienced in the world, and especially in America, over the last 200 and, you know, going on 46 years, is uh, we, we've, we've experienced a bit of a reprieve. You know, for us, this is all we've known because nobody in here besides Bud is over 200 years old. So we don't remember what it was like to live in a time when, when, when persecution was normal for Christians. Matter of fact, it's crazy to me today that people don't even seem to think that Christians ought to be persecuted. You know, especially the name it and claim it crowd. They, they don't even think we ought to have hard times. But we've had a great reprieve. God bless our country, amen. God bless the founding of our country. He surely did. For us to have the reprieve, because of most of history, Christians have spent under persecution. Most of history. That's where Christians have been. And you see many trends heading back in that direction today. Worldwide, there's more than, uh, this was in 2021. Uh, worldwide, there, th th these are the numbers, I, I, but, but, but worldwide, more than 340 million Christians lived under high levels of persecution and discrimination. And may I just add, the media doesn't say a word about it. I mean, Christians being killed, churches being bombed, and it doesn't seem to catch the attention of the media. Uh, but 340 million Christians lived under high levels of persecution and discrimination. Um, I wonder about these numbers. This was of a, uh, I got the reference, it must be in my notes at home. But that in 2021, 4,761 Christians were martyred. 4,761 Christians were killed for their faith. Uh, I, I look at those numbers and I wonder if they're low. But regardless, that's close to 5,000 Christians last year that were killed for the gospel. Um, 4,488 churches and other Christian-affiliated buildings were attacked. 4,277 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. And so as the tribulation approaches, many more will pay a high price for living out their faith in our world. I'm not looking to be persecuted, but I'm telling you, at some point, if the Lord doesn't return very soon, we're going to see persecution on the rise. Now, thankfully, we do have uh, people that are, you know, that, that are in office, some that are running, to, uh, running for office that want to help stem some of these things. Thank God for our country. And I still have hope in our country. Amen. 
But I'm telling you, you don't have to look very far to realize when we are getting, when, when Christians oftentimes are the ones getting blamed for the ones that don't want to go along with the government, right? Uh, we're at the heart of those that are being blamed for the, for the troublemakers, the dissidents, or whatever it may be. Uh, but man, by the grace of God, we just got to continue to stand, amen, for the word of God, as I've already said. Um, uh, so, uh, so, so that's, that's just a, a quick little something to say about comprehending prophecy. And then just in my closing remarks, I want to say something about continuing practically. Notice again with me back to verse 6 of Matthew 24. We kind of skipped over it. But in verse 6, he said this, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. <laughs> so he gives us a word about worry. A word about worry. Uh, see, the Olivet Discourse is one of the most comprehensive outlines of prophecy in Scripture. Jesus shared this information so that we could understand. If you don't understand anything else, so that we can understand this. God's got His hand on the wheel. Amen? God, my, my God's got His hands on the wheel. And so therefore, I don't have to worry. I can be prepared. I can be concerned. I need to be. I need to pray. I need all these things. But as far as when it comes to worry, I don't have to be worried. Hey, did you see some of the clips? I know some of you did. Some of you shared the clips of Christians with Russia coming over the border and several breaching the border in several different areas. They showed Christians in church singing and praising God in Ukraine. Um, so we, we don't have to worry. Don't be troubled. I'll tell you one of the big ways to not be troubled, quit taking in so much news. Honestly, get in the Word of God. If you're worried today, uh, start, start, thinking about, start thinking about defining the influence of your mind. And start saying, to some extent, say, man, you know what? Okay, I get it. Because what are you doing? Well, I, I'm doing something about it, preacher. What are you doing? I'm sitting there watching it worried to death. You know, okay. Listen, Jesus said, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Now, I want to be informed. I want to know what's going on. I want to pray for those that are affected by this war. You know, uh, Ukraine, not as the government, but there's a lot of Christians. This is one of the most Christian uh, countries in that, area, in, in that region of the world as far as uh, the amount of Christians in the country. Man, we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters. Because I'm telling you, that, that, that communistic ideal and regime that people, so many in this country seem to be so in love with, hates Christianity, hates homes, hates families, hates all these things. We need to be in prayer for those people and others and ourselves. But the thing is, is we don't have to worry. Biblical prophecy reminds us that deception, conflict, devastation, and the tribulation of the last days is no match for Almighty God. I don't got to be scared of Putin. Uh... <laughs> In public or otherwise, I don't have to be scared of Vladimir Putin. I don't have to be scared of uh, you know, the, the different dictators and the ones around this world. I don't have to worry about that. I know you, you say, well, do you not think they're a threat? They're obviously a threat, but they're no match for my God. I'm not worried. 
I mean, it was, was that not me of our attitude? That was the thing that got people I know with me, people at work or whatever, and you know, right, especially right at those early days of COVID-19, and people are trying to figure out what's going on and panicking and everything else, and, uh, and I'm there just like I always am at work. Hey, everybody, how's it going? God bless you. Uh, you know, whatever, it's like, dude, do you not know what's going on? Yeah, I know what's going on, sort of. I don't really know what's going on. I know it's all right. One of, my, one of my famous sayings, and believe, it's not always good that I have this kind of attitude, but man, my, a big part of my attitude, and I'm going to give glory to God for some of it because there's sometimes it can be a weakness, but I feel like God's helped me in some ways, Dan, to be able to say, you know what, it's all good. God's in control. My God's bigger is what I'm trying to say. He's bigger than this war. He's bigger than any country. He's bigger than any weaponry. If you haven't heard it yet, Vladimir Putin actually mentioned today uh, something about uh, exploring the nuclear option. Well, that's a scary thing to hear. But I ain't worried. He said, you know, no, he might blow us all up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what am I going to do about it? I mean, besides like, Seen Red Dawn? I mean, they show up in my yard, there's something going on. But as far as something flying across the sky, I can't do nothing about that. And if there's stuff I can't do anything about, then I ain't going to do nothing about it. I'm just going to keep trusting God and praising God. And, and so he gives us a word about where, be not troubled, Jesus says. Ain't that something? He, he's telling me, he says, man, y'all are going to be betrayed. There's going to be famine. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be wars. But don't be troubled. He, he, and he told him that so many times, don't be worried. Don't, he said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but, I love what you, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He has a, a continue. So we need to continue. Our theme at Elk Point Baptist Church this year is continue. So no matter what happens, by God's grace, just continue. Don't worry. Uh, he has a word about worry. Um, he has also, and you say even about the Lord coming. I meant to say this because when Jesus said this is the beginning of sorrows, he said this is just the beginning of sorrows there in verse number 8. That word sorrows right there literally carries the idea of labor. A lot of what we're seeing is just signs of labor, contractions. I can't say that without getting excited about my granddaughter coming. Amen, but in two weeks. But, uh, but, but contractions. Contractions don't need mean. Oh, the baby's getting born right, been born right now. Anybody ever been there? If you're having a baby, contractions. It's time. No, it's not. Uh, contractions. It's time. No, it's not. You gotta wait a little bit. And that's how a lot of this stuff is. We don't know. The Lord knows. So the, the beginning of sorrows. He's saying the things that we're seeing are a lot like contractions. They're the beginning of sorrows. Uh, so there's a word about worry. Um, Hey, how about this? There's also a word about witnessing. A word about witnessing. I, I've said this before, but what happens is we, 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 we get so engulfed in news, sometimes news that's from, a, good, from a, a more positive or at least a more right perspective, a correct perspective. But still, if we're not careful sometimes, we just turn into, you know, I've said it before, by the grace of God, this is not Fox News Elk Point. Amen? And, 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 and this platform is not an extension of the Republican Party. All right? 
or any other party for that matter. This is God's house, amen? We have God's word. We're God's people. That's our, I, I'm a citizen of, uh, of another country. I, I'm a citizen of heaven before I'm a, I, I'm, I thank God for this country. I love this country. If you know anything about me, you know that. But I'm telling you right now, ultimately, this is about God's word, amen? And so therefore, what I said is, sometimes we get so caught up in that, we, we just become extra extensions of the news. We hear people arguing, and we just want to go have those arguments. I'll argue. I like to argue some of these things, and I think there's a place for arguing some of these things. But my number one message, your number one message, there's a word about worry, there's a word about witnessing. Your number one goal is to win somebody to Christ. Oh, no, you don't understand, preacher. They're, they're leftists. I'm just supposed to try to destroy them and embarrass them and ostracize them. Says who? Try to win them to Jesus. You know, I mean, I, it's a crying shame when, when, when as God's people, listen, we ought to believe right, live right. I'm not saying there's not a place for this. But I'm saying our main job is to witness. When we find out somebody's got different beliefs than us, and we just want to roll up our sleeves, okay. You voted, well, I saw that bumper sticker on your car. Let's, let's, let's have a word, buddy. You know. No. Do you know how that person lives? Do you know that person doesn't? I mean, I know, I know there's people, that, I mean, there's all kinds of problems with people in this world. People are messed up, but they need Jesus, number one, amen? There's a word about witnessing. Jesus said, go you into all the world and preach the gospel. And the Christians have been doing that forever in the spite of all the persecution. I told you before, for most of Christian history, Christians have not had the liberty to start churches, to speak freely and openly. Jesus didn't say, well, y'all get that fixed and then go preach the gospel. He didn't. He said, no, you just keep preaching the gospel. And by the way, do you want to know why we got a country like we have today? Is that people put a priority on preaching the gospel. And, and, and that there was, a, there was a, a people that were so influenced by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the truths of the word of God. Do you know that like even if you just read, not even in the official documents of the United States, but if you just go back and read the correspondence of our founding fathers, by the way, if they were all deists, they're the worst deists in history. For a deist to pray, a deist meaning someone who believes that there is God, but he has nothing whatsoever to do. He's just like somebody who wound up a clock and just let it go. So he has nothing to do with the affairs of man. For, for George Washington and, and, and Thomas Jefferson, and I don't know Thomas Jefferson actually claimed to be a deist, but read what he said. And, and for George Washington, for Benjamin Franklin to say, God, we need you. You know, for Benjamin Franklin to say, man, if, if a sparrow can't fall from the sky without God, how do we expect to raise a nation? They literally spent hours, hours upon hours praying to Almighty God. Why? Because the power of the gospel came first. The mission of the gospel came first. So there's a word about witnessing. And then lastly, there's a word about worship. I already mentioned this about some of those, uh, our Ukraine brothers and sisters. And they're not just in Ukraine, but we have them all over the world. They're in China right now. They're in Indonesia. They're in India. They're in many of these places where it's, it's, a, it's a hostile environment. There's a word about worry. There's a word about witnessing. I'm talking about how do we continue? What do we do in the midst of these last days? There's also a word about worship. 
Hebrews 10, 25, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Man, get in church. Get around God's people. Sing, worship, encourage one another in the Lord. Isn't that encouraging? Interesting that he said, well, we need to exhort one another. We miss it today, don't we? For, 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 because, you know, I think during the COVID time, we, we know that uh, we've seen it to some extent here, not to the extent of some others, but for some people got so used to not coming, they quit coming. And then you can watch online and it's like, well, why do we need to come? I have everything I need right here at my home. Well, are you, are, are you encouraging another brother as you're gathered together? God commanded us to gather together. Uh, well, you're not, are you? But, but, that, but, but and I, that, that's kind of the deception. It's like, man, it's not, being a Christian is not just about me. Being a part of the church is not just about me. It's about somebody else exhorting one another. Why? Because we need to be exhorted. We need to be lifted up. We need to be encouraged. Uh, man, I, I'm going through a tough time. You're going through a tough time. We need to be encouraged, amen? There's a word about worship. You know, one of the things I've learned about church, through the, you say, uh, when Russia's crossing the border, the last thing I'm thinking about is getting together and worshiping God. And I get that. But did you know that sometimes when you want to go the least is when we ought to go the most? A word about worship. I mean, coming together, and, and, and I understand that for some people, I mentioned Hebrews 10, 25, and you get, you know, PTSD or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm not preaching it like that, okay? But I'm not going to not preach it just because people have done it wrong, okay? I'm trying to be encouraging here to say, hey, listen, as, uh, man, praise God for the babies running around church, amen? Uh, keep worshiping the Lord. Make church a priority in your life. And you know, that's always been one of the toughest messages for a preacher to preach, a pastor to preach. Well, of course you want me to come to church, preacher. I bet you want me to put something to offering too, don't you? You know, it could come across that way. Get it, girl. Uh, it can come across that way. But I'm telling you that before I was ever a pastor, Matter of fact, I wouldn't even be, you, I, I promise you this right now, if God wouldn't have put it in my heart when I got saved by the grace of God, a love for church and a commitment to come to church, this church would not be here today. Because if I wasn't faithful and didn't come to church, I wouldn't have heard the message that I heard that ended up changing my life. That ended up helping me surrender my life. That helping me uh, begin to preach the gospel. That, that challenged my heart about going somewhere and sharing the gospel outside of where I'm at right now. If I hadn't spent time in the altar, man, all the time, anytime I could, man, you didn't have to give an invitation. I, I would come and pray and ask God to help me. Get me closer to God. Forgive me of this sin. Help me with this thing. I just want to say, man, I wished, I wished I could encourage people about church without people getting defensive about it. I really do. And I know it's kind of natural that people just get a little bit defensive about it. I, I don't want you to get defensive about it because I'm not attacking nobody. I'm just trying to tell you, man, what God's done in my life through the church, through the people of God, through the people that have made a difference. It's made a difference in my life, and I just believe it'll make a difference in your life. Being an active part, finding a way to serve, finding a way to be involved, finding a way to be active. And you say, well, I don't really like this church. Well, go find one you like and be a part of it, but please, 
Be a part of one. Get in a good Bible-preaching church and just commit. And uh, you say, well, I thought we was preaching about the coming of the Lord. We are, amen. War, is it the end? Is it the end? Is the end coming? Well, well, the end is definitely coming. And the Lord could come any moment. And the practical things we take away is He's in control of all of it. Amen. And He is coming again soon. And I guess as we stand here today, I want to ask you this question. I appreciate your patience. As we stand here today, I just want to ask you this question. This is an important one. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's a big one, because if you don't, then really there's not much encouragement to be had of what I'm saying, except for there's a place you can come to. And I don't just mean church there, I mean there's a person you can come to. This God that I'm talking about, that gave us this perfect book, this book that has the answers for what we face in this life, the God that gave us this perfect book, the God that created the heavens and the earth, He is the same God who made you. He's the same God who knew, furthermore, that you would be standing right where you are today. He's the same God that loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross because the Bible says that just like me, you were born a sinner. You have sinned. You have transgressed against God Almighty. All you have to look forward to is death and condemnation and hell. But God loves you so much, He went to the cross. He took your condemnation. He took your hell upon Himself. He died your death. He rose again the third day. Why? To purchase the gift of salvation that if you would just receive Him by faith, turn to Him today, you could have your sins forgiven and be saved by the grace of God. He's coming again soon. Are you going to be ready or would you be left behind? If you don't know Jesus today, Danny, you can continue to start to play. If you don't know Jesus today, I invite you right now. Would you do this with me? Right now from your heart, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't know the Lord today, would you from your heart say, Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. I pray that you'll forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. You know, if you could pray a prayer like that from your heart today. The Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. The words mean very little, honestly. But if from your heart you can cry out to the Lord like that, He'll save you today. Hey, child of God, are you troubled? Are you troubled? I get it. But Jesus said you don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be worried. Hey, are you witnessing? Are you worshiping? Not just here, but are you, are, do, do, do you have an attitude of worship and praise and in the Word of God and praying? That's what we need to do. There's some practical things that we can do and continue to do in light of all these things. Lord, I thank you so much for your Word I thank you for your power. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And God, I just pray, Lord, you'll have your will in your way in every heart here today and anyone who may be listening. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would just convict hearts, encourage your people. Help us to have faith going forward, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen.